President Marion and guests, I'm delighted to introduce Professor John Dewar, AO, Vice-Chancellor and President of La Trobe University since 2012. A graduate in law from Oxford University, he was the provost at the University of Melbourne, having previously held senior appointments at Griffith University and several in the UK. He's been Deputy Chair of Australian Universities, Director of the Olivia Newton-John Cancer Research Foundation, the Committee for Melbourne, and the Foundation for Australian Studies in China, amongst other things. Appointments in the broader community and they're outlined in the bulletin. So with such diverse experience, he's particularly well-placed to talk to us firstly about the impact of the pandemic on higher education, but more profoundly to ensure universities remain vital contributors to both economic recovery and the development of human capital, as encompassed by his challenging topic, what is the future for higher education in Australia? Please welcome Professor John Dewar, AO. Thank you very much, Bob. And thank you all very much for the invitation to be here this afternoon. Uh, it's a real privilege. Um, and I, can I just say how uh, fantastic it is you're supporting the Smith family. Um, I've sponsored a Smith family student for some years now, and I must say, it's one of the most rewarding acts of philanthropy I think I've ever undertaken. And congratulations to Carolyn um, on being inducted as a member. Carolyn is a very, very valued member of the La Trobe University community. So a nice coincidence that um, she's, she's being honored in that way today. Uh, I've got about 15 minutes. Um, this is a huge topic, of course, and one that Suresh and I explored in a bit more detail in a pre-recorded video that we did last week, uh, which runs for about an hour. So um, there's a lot more material there if you have the time to explore it. But what I'll do today is just run through what I think are the most obvious uh, impacts or effects of the pandemic on higher education, and then um, make some uh, inspired or educated guesses about uh, what the future might hold. Um, and I, in doing that second thing, I'm going shamelessly to use my own university uh, as an example, um, because we have done a lot of thinking in the last few months about the role and purpose uh, and priorities for a university in a post-pandemic environment. So let me start first of all then with the impacts. And perhaps the most obvious one is the financial one. Um, estimates vary. Uh, it depends what assumptions you use. Um, but Universities Australia estimates that the financial impact on the sector in 2020 alone will be in the region of three to four and a half billion dollars loss of revenue. Um, and the Mitchell Institute at the at Victoria University estimates that over the next three years, the financial impact could be as great potentially as 19 billion dollars collectively to the sector. Uh, that has enormous implications just in very practical ways. Um, for example, in Victoria, it's estimated 
that that will uh, lead to the loss of somewhere around 14,000 jobs. Um, it will also mean that the students who would normally come here and spend money in the local economy uh, will, will not be here in such numbers. And it's estimated that every international student spends roughly between one and a half and two times what they spend on their education at uni. Um, <clears throat> in fact, the Mitchell Institute equates the, imp the financial impact on the economy, the wider economy, of uh, each missed intake of international students to be roughly equivalent to the loss of the Australian car industry. It's, it's really that significant to the Australian economy. Um, there are other financial consequences though that flow from this and I'll mention just two of them. The first is the impact on the nation's research and development effort. Um, it's estimated that universities contribute annually somewhere between three and four billion dollars uh, to their collective research effort from the revenue in part that they generate from international students. Um, so there is a short to medium term question here about what can be done to sustain that research workforce and that research effort to ensure that Australia remains globally competitive um, in terms of its research and development capability. Now, we, I might pick up on that a bit more later on. The, the other implication, immediate implication, is that universities' ability to uh, invest in their own infrastructure will be significantly curtailed for the foreseeable future. Most universities have uh, almost completely stopped their capital programs for at least this year and probably some way into next year as a way of cushioning the blow. And of course, that has implications for the wider economy, um, uh, particularly in the construction um, and IT industries who rely quite heavily on, on our uh, procurement of their services. So <clears throat> I know that our story is not unusual, um, but as a sector that had become the country's third largest export industry, um, you can imagine that the corresponding financial impact on our revenue uh, will, will, be, will be very significant. The second long-term impact, I think, will be on the way we do things, the way we work. Now, I think this is not unique to universities. Uh, I'm sure every organization will change the way in which uh, it does things as a result of this. Um, but in our case, we managed within the space of a week back in March to switch our teaching from predominantly campus-based, face-to-face to online. And I'd just like to take this opportunity to pay huge tribute to my staff and indeed to the staff of the entire university sector who went well above and beyond to ensure that their students could continue to learn and to make progress towards the qualifications for which they're studying. Um, the other uh, impact, of course, is on our willingness to use technology um, and to work more flexibly, particularly to work from home. Uh, and there's a lot of speculation, of course, about uh, what the impact of that will be uh, in the longer term. But we, we are already thinking about 
how we will operate as a university. What will we expect of our staff? Where will we expect them to be? What will we be expecting of our students? How will we want and expect them to be learning most effectively? So I think these are going to be long-term uh, lasting effects that will have a, a significant role. The third impact is just as important, I think, for universities, but it's not so much on the impact on the universities themselves as on the communities and the economy around us. Um, I think it's well acknowledged now that uh, not only are we now in recession, that we're likely to be in a period of economic, uh, economic doldrums for a period of time, um, accompanied by high rates of unemployment in some areas, but also accompanied by um, acceleration of the growth of other sectors of the economy. So while some sectors will decline perhaps faster than they might have done otherwise without the pandemic, others will correspondingly uh, grow faster. And I think what that means amongst other things is that universities will have a big role to play in uh, helping those who lose their jobs to reskill, to find new uh, routes into employment, um, and to help the nation meet uh, what will likely be emerging skill gaps in those, in those new economies. So we think there is a huge role for universities to play in that wider economic and social context. Um, so let me turn now to the future. I'm just keeping an eye on the time. Um, the, the, the first thing for me to say is that universities will be smaller for the time being. Um, we did rely on international student revenue to do a whole range of things, to pay uh, staff, um, to conduct research, to invest in infrastructure. Um, and without that, or without a large part of it, um, we, we will obviously uh, be smaller and have less uh, capability, financial capability in particular. Um, so just as I think universities are now needed perhaps more than they have ever been before, uh, we're going to have fewer resources um, with which to rise to that challenge. Yet, uh, we are absolutely determined to do that. Um, uh, and I just, in that context, just mention the fact that um, there, there is a bit of a tendency for governments, state and federal governments, to downplay the role of universities in uh, preparing a workforce. But you cannot go past the fact that uh, about 40% of future jobs growth, according to ABS data, is going to require a university qualification. 40%. That's a very big slice of economic activity in this country that will rely um, on, uh, uh, on university level qualifications. Uh, so my proposition is that universities are, are more important than ever. Um, uh, but we have to think carefully, given the reduced scale of our resources, about what our priorities are um, and how we contribute to that effort of national recovery, community support and economic regeneration. So let me just say a little bit about what I think universities can do in these circumstances and then give you some idea of uh, what La Trobe University, because that's the lens through which I look at all of this, of course, uh, what our thinking is uh, about how we, how we look at, might look into the future. 
Um, and I guess our starting point is that our biggest aspiration is for universities to be relevant and valued institutions in our society. I think it would be fair to say that uh, there has been a, bit, a decline in trust um, in universities in recent years um, for a whole range of different reasons. And it's not a party political thing. I think you can, you can see uh, that occurring on both, both sides of politics. Um, but I think there is a task now, a real opportunity actually, for universities to step up and say, this is why we are so important, why we are so relevant and why we should be valued institutions. So, so let me just give you a, 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 an idea of what I'm talking about. The first is to address higher levels of unemployment and reskilling the workforce. It's not common to talk about higher education as being about skills, um, but the fact is that we do mostly prepare students for professional occupations. About 90% of our degrees are accredited by a professional body of one sort or another. So whether we like it or not, the qualifications we offer, the skills and knowledge we provide are actually very relevant to future employment. Um, so I think we do have an important role to play in, in helping uh, address that shift, that likely shift, which I think will now accelerate um, from what you might call the old economy to the new economy. How can we play a, a, a valued role in that? The second is um, to stimulate economic growth as best we can. Um, and there's an enormous contribution that universities can make. Um, not only do we have a lot of clever people um, working in universities, uh, we also have a lot of other assets and facilities that we can make available to the community uh, to support the growth of new business and new employment. Um, the best example, perhaps, and again drawn from my own institution, is that our campus at Bandura, uh, which is at about 230 hectares, is bigger than Melbourne CBD. There's a real opportunity there for us to encourage new business to come and co-locate with us to benefit from the incredibly smart students um, that they could uh, employ or provide internships to, um, to work with the researchers, uh, to use the facilities that we have, some of the very um, sophisticated equipment that's available on campus um, as a way of helping their, their business grow. Um, and we're actively looking to attract uh, like-minded businesses who want to co-locate with us on our campus. Um, it's part of what we call our university city of the future, which is our master plan for, uh, for that campus. Um, the third thing we can do is to conduct research on some really difficult problems. Um, and pandemics, climate change are just two of a very long list of uh, challenges that our communities and societies will face, where universities, I believe, can make a very real, uh, well-informed, evidence-based contribution to the political and economic solutions that we're, we're going to need. And the fourth, fourth thing, and this may be more of a Latrobe feature than perhaps of other universities because of our history, but we really do believe we have an important role to play as a catalyst for public debate. Um, the, as some of you may know, uh, 
Latrobe has a long history of producing some some of the great public intellectuals, uh, that is the scholars who talk and write and debate and discuss uh, on issues of national importance. Uh, whether you're John Hurst, Judith Brett, Robert Mann, um, these are all great Latrobe names who still actively contribute to public discourse on matters of real importance. And that's that's a tradition that the university takes very seriously. So I think I'm almost out of time, but just let me give you a very quick flavor of the sorts of things that we will change as a result uh, of, of the pandemic and its financial impact. First is obviously we're gonna be moving more of our uh, teaching to online. Um, we have used online as part of our teaching uh, portfolio in the past, but it will now become much more central and much more systematically incorporated. Um, we want to introduce shorter qualifications. Um, some of the most popular uh, qualifications we offer right now are those that are only for six months, um, where people can very quickly come and upskill or reskill uh, with a view to launching themselves back into a future workforce. We think that's going to be a very important part of what universities do in the future. The idea of a three-year bachelor's degree or a two-year master's degree, I think they'll remain important, but of growing importance will be this capacity for universities to offer employment-ready or employment-relevant short-cycle uh, qualifications. Working with industry, I've already implied this, but for us, that's going to be a huge part of our future. We really want to partner up with government, with NGOs, with private sector um, to help, as I said before, to drive that economic activity and new sources of employment. And because we'll have less money, we will have to think very carefully about where we can invest our research uh, time and effort and resource. So we're going through a process at the moment of really identifying where can Latrobe researchers have the biggest impact and make the biggest difference uh, to the community around us. So look, I hope that gives you some flavor um, of what uh, my university in particular is thinking at the moment about how we will respond to this. Um, as I said, Suresh and I canvassed a much wider range of issues than I've been able to in 15 minutes um, on, in, in the pre-recorded video. So please go and have a look at that. But in the meantime, uh, I'm very happy, Bill, to, to, uh, to Bob, to answer any, uh, any questions that people might have. And I think some questions have been coming through on the chat. Thanks very much, John, for that brilliant articulation of the future of higher education. Uh, there are a couple of questions that have come in. The first one is on research. How much research in both time and money has been spent on why university courses are failing to prepare teachers for the workforce? And how does Latrobe manage conflict of interest by doing such research? Oh, interesting question. Um, so I, I, it's not my area of expertise, um, but I do know that our School of Education has completely redesigned all of its initial teacher education programs, um, taking account of the latest research um, on the effectiveness of teacher preparation. But it, it, if I can just give you one example, um, which is a, an area that Latrobe is very interested in, and that is um, the, 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 the science of teaching reading. Um, we, we have 
uh, one of the country's leading experts in um, in teaching young children to read. Um, and it's a controversial area, as you, as you may know. Um, but Professor Pam Snow is leading a, a research laboratory um, that aims to improve our understanding of how children learn to read so that it can then be fed back into um, the preparation of, of new teachers. I'm not sure that there is a conflict of interest here. I'd be interested to know why people think that because um, I think everyone is committed to improving the teaching workforce. Um, and obviously we work with state governments, we work with the accrediting bodies, we work with professional bodies uh, to do what we can to ensure uh, that that happens. Um, but I can tell you that my school of education, and I'm sure others, around, everyone around the country, um, are, are very concerned to improve the preparation of, of young teachers. Thank you. Uh, the next question is, does Latrobe have a program in place to assist students who are already disad from disadvantaged backgrounds and who lack tech equipment and internet necessary to adequately undertake their studies? Yes, we do. Um, it's one of the areas in which Latrobe excels. We have, uh, partly because of our regional presence, we have one of the largest uh, cohorts of low SES and uh, students from other disadvantaged groups. Um, and we have a number of programs to support them, um, whether that's from uh, supporting their entry into the university uh, or supporting their learning while they're here, including the things that were mentioned in the question. So yes, we have uh, technical support available to students. We have scholarships, uh, we have learning support. Um, so it's a, it's a very important part of the university's DNA, if you like, that we're, we're, we're not just uh, uh, accessible to those students, but that they succeed once they're with us. And I think we have a good, we have a good track record that we can point to of that. We also have one of the country's leading research centers for the study of uh, equity in higher education led by Andrew Harvey. Um, they do some fantastic work on um, the, the, uh, the impact of higher education on disadvantaged groups, but also vice versa, the way that universities need to adapt what they do to address the needs of the disadvantaged. So I, I, think, um, I think the answer to that question is absolutely yes. Thank you. The next question is, how do you see the relevance and importance of non-professional education? Uh, very important. And trades um, in particular. And, and what in particular, sorry? And trades. Trades, um, as I assume. Yes. So, I mean, uh, not, not, not everything we do is directed towards a professional qualification. Um, and probably the arts and humanities would be the best example of that. Although even there, there are some professional pathways, particularly into areas like journalism and media and so on. Um, I'm a, I'm a big believer in the importance of vocational education. Um, and uh, we partner with TAFEs in particular very closely at our regional campuses um, because we believe that's in the best interests of the students. Um, if a university and a TAFE can collaborate to create pathways for students, 
um, into university degrees from TAFE or the other way around into TAFE qualifications from university, then that serves the interests of students better. But we also recognize that university and TAFE do very different things and they both do them very well. Um, and we don't presume to say that university is better than TAFE, um, just as I hope they don't say the, say the reverse. Um, and we have a very good relationship with our TAFE partners. Um, but what I would say is go, go back to that statistic I mentioned earlier about where the growth in the economy is going to come from. Um, that growth is predominantly going to be in the occupations that need a university level qualification. The growth in occupations requiring a vet or a trade qualification is much lower. Um, it's, it's in the single, single digits, not, not double digits. So from a, from a national or economic point of view, um, I'd, I'd suggest that uh, while TAFE and vocational qualification and training is important, um, it, looking ahead at the projections for jobs growth, um, it's not going to be as important as university level qualifications. So to that extent, I'd say universities are important. Thanks. The next question is how much research in both time and money has been spent on why university courts, uh, sorry, I've done that already. Uh, given the challenges ahead and with the large staff cuts and reductions in funding affecting research quality, how difficult will it be for Australian universities to maintain their all important global rankings in the face of strong overseas competition in a remote learning environment? Yeah, no, that's a really good and important question. Um, look, ra rankings, um, it's, it's, it, it's not really the rankings that matter, in my opinion. It's the actual capability of Australia's research sector, of which universities are a very large part, but not the whole part. Uh, it's the, it's the, the impact of this on the capability of Australia's research sector to contribute to national competitiveness. Um, a, a lot of the productivity gains, um, the, the new industries um, and sources of new employment will come from the research and development that's being done in the R&D sector. Now, universities account for about half of that. Um, and as I think I said earlier, the lost uh, revenue um, that would otherwise have gone into research and development is somewhere in the region of two to $3 billion a year. So th this is a really significant challenge for the nation. This is not just for universities. This is about our research and development ecosystem and how competitive we're going to be internationally. Other countries have recognized this and are supporting their research sectors specifically um, so that they don't experience a brain drain of young, talented PhD and postdoc students who are the lifeblood of our research effort, that they don't lose those either to overseas competition or from the sector altogether. Um, in the UK, for example, the government there has provided financial support specifically targeted at preserving the nation's research capability. Um, we desperately need something similar here. And I hope this won't be understood as special pleading for the university sector because it isn't. It's, it's really arguing the case for the, the continued support of a really important economic resource for the nation as we try and recover from this. The rankings 
Um, yes, they, they, they help with international student recruitment. There's no doubt about that. Um, and I do believe that they reflect a genuine substantive improvement in the quality uh, and volume of research done in Australian universities. Um, but I don't think anyone should believe that they are the be all and end all, they're not. What really matters is the capability of the research and development sector to contribute to national growth. The next question is, can you perhaps suggest one industry that Latrobe might be interested in focusing on at this very early stage? Um, I, one industry would be tough because we have a lot of industry partners. So, uh, I mean, you know, we have great strength in agriculture, food and agriculture and nutrition, for example. So obviously that's going to be a big area of focus for us. Um, and we already have a number of very powerful industry partners in that, in that field, um, ranging from some of the big food manufacturers like PepsiCo and their Quaker, Quaker Oats subsidiary um, through to um, the medicinal, medicinal agriculture organizations, that, like the ones that produce medicinal cannabis. We, we work with uh, a whole range of organizations in that industry. Uh, we've also got deep partnerships with some of the big tech companies like Cisco um, and Optus. Um, obviously, health is very important to us. So we have some major industry partners there, such as with Medibank, um, the private health insurer. So it would be hard to pick one. Um, but what we're trying to do in our strategy refocus is to ask ourselves, um, what are the things we're really good at? And from that, identify who the industry partners we would like to have that we don't already have. Obviously, as I've said, we've got quite a few, but it would make sense for us to deepen those industry partnerships um, in areas of deep research strength uh, for us. So it's hard to name one, um, but I'm hoping that we can identify maybe five or six industry sectors that we would really target um, and, and go after in a big way. Thanks. The next one is, are universities already adjusting to a low proportion of their student population and therefore the revenues coming from international markets in the short and long term? And are they likely to accept a smaller proportion long term? Uh, look, that's a really important question. And the answer is yes. Every university is um, working out how it's going to become smaller because uh, that's really what we're talking about. Uh, smaller in student numbers, smaller in revenue, and the two are obviously linked. Um, so the, the answer is yes. I mean, in our case, the scale of our um, uh, revenue downturn for next year is up to $200 million. Um, and that's out of an, uh, what would, in a normal year, be a revenue of between 850 and 900 million. So it's a, it's a big proportion of what we would normally expect to receive. So we are absolutely working incredibly hard to ensure that we're, we're prepared for that. Um, and almost daily now, you're seeing universities announce uh, job losses or voluntary redundancy programs um, as everyone makes the effort uh, to, to become smaller commensurate with the revenue that we're likely to receive. So my estimation of how long this will last, and I think this was another part of the question, um, is that 
if we ever return to normal and we we may never get back to say the levels in 2019 of, of university revenue and student numbers um but if, if we ever do it will be at least four or five years before we get there simply because of the pipeline effect uh of lost student intake so the students that we haven't been able to recruit in semester two of this year the middle of this year um there's their students uh, who won't be with us for three years. So the, the impact of their loss uh, takes a while to flow through the organization. So um, it, it, it's not, even if students return next year, um, the, uh, it won't restore immediately the, the financial impact. Um, that will take three, four, maybe five years. Well, well before my tenure in this job, I can tell you, um, to, um, to recover. I think we've got time for one question. Will micro-credentialing become a more important part of the role of universities? I believe so, yes. And that, that's what I was talking about with uh, shorter cycle qualifications. I do believe it will become uh, a much more important part, particularly during a time, uh, as I said, of um, decline in some parts of the economy and growth in others. Um, what what the community needs is the capacity quickly to reskill or upskill um, in, in, in a way that, that then leads clearly into uh, new opportunities for employment. Um, the, <clears throat> there are other aspects, micro-credentialing is a complicated field. Um, the other aspect to it is being more flexible in the recognition of prior experience. And this is not something that universities with some notable exceptions, uh, have done particularly well up until now. Um, so how, how do you recognize uh, the skills and capabilities that someone's uh, acquired on the job, not necessarily through formal learning, but just through experience? How do you accredit that and, and give, give weight to it? Um, I think that's going to be a, an increasingly significant challenge, again, for the same reasons I've, I've given. Um, that it's about how we can help people transition um, into into new new work opportunity.